everyone, Michael Unger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And this season, we're going back to talk to past participants in science fairs to get their perspective on their experience and find out where their passions lie. And today, I am super honored to be joined by Yosarian King. Hi, Yosarian. How's it going? Hey, it's going great. Hi, Michael. And uh, feel free to call me Iggy. Iggy. Okay, love it. So you are the CTO, that's Chief Technology Officer for Blackbird Interactive. So essentially, you make video games. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I I helped start Blackbird Interactive in about 2010. And uh, we've grown from five people in our CEO's garage into uh, we've now got over 300 people in a uh, nice shiny office building next to the Emily Carr College. Now, you also worked at Electronic Arts. Many people may be familiar uh, with some of their games. You know, I spent a lot of time playing F- FIFA when I was younger. So when you say that you, um, you're the chief technology officer, you essentially, you know, create the video games. What exactly does that mean, you know, when you're working on the video games, like for you specifically? So for me specifically, I'm, I'm basically in charge of all things technical, um, which is a mix of helping teams decide which game engines they're going to use, uh, working with the programming teams to make sure they have the people they need, um, working with our, I have one-on-ones with all of our programmers to make sure they're happy with their projects and get their input on on how things are going. Um, I also meet pretty frequently with the other uh, leaders at the studio to kind of help them understand, you know, what are the technical dependencies on the project? What are we doing next? Um, I'm looking ahead to company strategy and and pitching new business ideas um, you know, thinking what skill sets do we need to deliver on on new product ideas? What other technologies are emerging in the mar- marketplace? Should we be looking at things like AR or VR? You know, what does Bitcoin mean for game development? Um, you know, a bunch of stuff like right. that. So a lot, a lot of it is running the team. A bunch of it is focused on technology and then also some forward looking, seeing where the, the next ideas are coming from. So what are some of the games that you're working on right now? Would there be any that people would recognize? Uh, yeah, I should think so. We've, um, so we, we have had Hardspace Shipbreaker in early access for about a year, and that's going into full launch shortly. It's possibly the only zero-gravity spaceship demolition game in the universe. Okay. Uh, so it's a first-person game, but you're not shooting things. You're grappling your way in a space through, through hazardous environments. You're wielding a laser cutter and trying to extract valuable parts from derelict ships and um, keep the, uh, you know, hit the quota that your boss is looking for and extract the reactor without blowing yourself up. So it's uh, kind of an interesting puzzle-solving environmental hazard game. Um, so that's one that's one that we developed from scratch. It's our own original idea. We're super proud of that one. Yeah, interesting. Well, so you've had a lot of experience uh, working on video games. Let's go back in time because you've also participated in science fairs. So I'd love to hear your story of, of how you came to be, how you uh, evolved uh, your career. Uh, you grew up, um, so you were born in the UK. You were raised in Nova Scotia. How did you uh, first become interested in video games? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. The um, I first got interested in computers at about age 12. Um, ironically, at the time, my family didn't even have, have electricity, much less a computer. Um, but my <laughs> wow. dad bought me my dad bought me a set of books um, about basic programming, and I started reading those. And you know, you think reading about programming without being able to do it isn't super interesting, but anyway, I found it engaging anyway. And then uh, my dad, my high school principal, and I took a night course in basic programming um, about an hour's drive away from our small town at a at a high school in in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And so that was my first chance to get hands-on with a computer and start actually programming them. And I, 
I remember I would spend the week like reading my books and having ideas and then writing out my program on these great long sheets of fan fold paper. And then I would get to the, you know, my two hour night course session on Tuesday night or whatever it was. And I would be frantically typing stuff in and trying to see if it worked. And, uh, and then, you know, hopefully it did. And if not, I'd go back to the drawing board and try again next week. Um, things got a little easier uh, the following year because my, my high school got a few Commodore pets and put them in, in a room beside the chemistry lab. And so me and a few other students started hanging out there and we, we played some games on them and started writing simple programs. And then a year after that, I got a Commodore 64 at home. We had electricity by this time, naturally. Um, <laughs> and I started, I dove into the Commodore 64 and learned everything I could about it. Um, I still have the reference manual from that, that machine sitting on my, on my, my the bookshelf behind me. And uh, I feel like I knew that computer perhaps better than any computer since then, because it was things were much simpler then, and you really could learn everything there was to learn about a machine. Interesting. Moving on to to science fair and video games, the in 1984, that was my grade 11 year. Um, my high school chemistry teacher encouraged me to participate in the regional science fair, which was in Sydney. And so I took some games I've been working on and improved them and put them together into kind of a package and let you, you could fire up one giant program that would let you choose which game you wanted to play. And I had Mastermind and a skiing game and a driving game and then a sort of Space Invader type game where you shot an alien, but then you had to answer a math question before he would die. So it was sort of this pseudo educational game. Um, so I put those together and made a poster board about it and took it to the regional fair and um, won a prize that IBM sponsored. And uh, part of the prize was a trip to the, the uh, National Fair, which that year was also in Nova Scotia and Halifax. Um, so that, that was fun and kind of inspired my, you know, it was recognition for what I was doing and enjoying in my own bedroom and got me out, you know, to meet other people who were doing it and, you know, kind of give me some affirmation that, yeah, maybe I was good at this. And uh, so I, I carried on from there. I did science fair again the following year and won a trip to the Cornwall Fair in 1985, you know, met some more people there and decided to go and study computer science at uh, Dalhousie for my undergrad. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the genesis of that, that interest in, in computers and, and video games. So this is really interesting because you said that you started reading about programming before you even really had a computer. So you were thinking about making video games before you really started playing them. Is it, or do you think of yourself more in that space? Like you think about sort of how something works before you kind of like delve in and be a player, uh, when you're thinking about video games? Yeah, I think um, like throughout my career, I, I've found, you know, there, there's certainly games I've gotten hooked on at different times. I played a huge amount of Nintendo uh, Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64, um, played a lot of uh, Doom uh, in the 90s, um, but I really enjoy making games more than playing them. Like I find the, the technical challenges and the, like it's almost like a giant puzzle that you need to solve and you need to take a big problem and decompose it into its constituent parts and then solve those little problems and then try and put it all back together and see if it, you know, matches the vision you had for the, the thing you were trying to build. Um, so I find that sort of virtual invention and the whole process of computer programming to be, you know, really logically and intellectually stimulating. And I, I love those challenges. So I think that's what got me into it. Um, I remember in, uh, in one of those books that dad gave me, there was a, there was a half page program. There was like 15 lines of code that played perfect tic-tac-toe. And I found that fascinating. Uh, it was like, you know, how could you, how could you embody the wisdom of a tic-tac-toe player such as it is in this like little, little recipe, this little prescription for how to, how to do it good. Um, yeah, right. I thought that was really neat. 
So I find, also find this really interesting because, you know, I grew up in the night in the eighties and computers were thought of very differently back then. They were the, of course, just starting to get popular, of course, not as popular as they did in the nineties. And of course they, with the advent of the internet, it sort of took off to another level. So when you're doing science fair projects, you know, around computers, you know, in a relatively new field, what was that like, especially, you know, uh, in a small town in Canada and doing a science fair project around a really burgeoning industry that you probably um, may or may not have had any idea of sort of like how far computers are really going to evolve. Yeah, I guess I, you know, I didn't really know a ton about what, what was going on in the outside world or how computers were developing. Um, you know, this, this series of eight books that dad bought me was kind of like my internet at the time because the internet didn't exist. So you couldn't just Google stuff and, and read about it, which is what I do a lot of now. Um, so there was this book, there was the reference manual for the Commodore 64, and then I had a magazine subscription to Computes Gazette, which also kind of was the, that, you know, monthly conduit to the outside world. And I, I remember seeing ads for, um, electronic arts games in there and they would have pictures of the programmers that developed the games. And I, you know, I found that interesting. It was like, oh, that's cool. So, you know, people can make these games and that can be a living and companies sell them and, um, for a little while, I had an idea of uh, I was going to start a company called NovaSoft because it was Nova Scotia and, uh, you know, build right. video games or other technology. And that's how I'd make my fame and fortune. But uh, anyway, I think I got to school and realized it wasn't quite that, that simple. So I <laughs> carried on with a more a little more standard career approach. Nowadays, it feels like all that information is so much at our fingertips with the with the Internet. Um, but I also think yeah. computers have become almost more mysterious as they've gotten closer because they're now such shiny, polished, sophisticated things. And you're just using, you know, apps that some corporation delivers to you. I think it's less, it's less personal in a way like the, the Commodore 64, you would turn the on switch and two seconds later, the screen would turn blue and there'd be a flashing cursor with the word ready. And it's like, okay, ready for what? And it, it was actually in the basic interpreter. You could start programming instantly. Like you turn on the computer, the first mm. thing you type is a program. Um, nowadays you turn on a computer and you're, you're shielded by the operating system and all the applications and it's kind of mystifying and most people, you know, feel intimidated and don't delve into how it works. Whereas I think in fact, it's, you know, once you get down to the individual things that computer is capable of doing, they're, they're ultra simple and it would be great if more people understood and appreciated that and, uh, and learned how to, how to build stuff on computers for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'd love to hear about how you felt, going to science fairs, you know, and bringing um, computers uh, to a science fair arena that uh, may or may not have had a lot of uh, computer presence there? Like how how much were computers a presence at these science fairs that you were competing in? I'd say not a huge amount. And I think that's part of what IBM was trying to do by sponsoring this award. So they, they had an award called the IBM Regional Computer Technology Award. And as far as I know, they they sponsored that at every regional fair across Canada, and the winner of the award would get to go the, to the national fair. Um, so it meant there were there were at least representation from across Canada of computer based projects um, because of this IBM sponsorship. Um, and so I think that that was probably the primary extent of it. Other other science fair projects are, you know, more traditionally like biological experiments or chemistry experiments or you know, mm -hmm. growing plants under different conditions to see how they react or, you know, anyway, there's all sorts of cool stuff in fields that I'm way less familiar with, but, uh, you know, young people in high school are doing some amazing work there as well. 
but yeah, I think it, it was the beginning of computer presence at the science fair. And I, I put that mainly up to this IBM award. Yeah. And sort of like, how do you think that that uh, fueled sort of like your career? Like did going to science fairs, you were already interested in computers, but what did science fairs really do for you and your career? The recognition and the, the receiving an award was um, obviously a lot of positive feedback for me and made me made me feel you know encouraged in the things I was doing, seeing other people at science fair and uh, you know I never won any big award at the the Canada wide fair. There were some really amazing projects there that I could look at and see okay there's more that I can aspire to. Would I have gone into computer programming even without science fair? You know potentially, but it definitely reinforced those choices and and encouraged me to put more time and energy into developing things that I was comfortable showing to other people and, and exhibiting. Um, so it helped me kind mm-hmm. of complete projects and maybe get beyond the initial dabbling stage. Um, and I think all of that experience stood me in really good stead when I got to university because I, I came into first year computer science with more experience than most people had. And so I was able to you know, do quite well at the coursework. And again, that was further affirmation. Oh, I'm getting good marks. I'm good at this. You know, this feels like something I can do you know, in, in a career. Um, so I think one thing just builds on another and you you have these, you know, minor little things in your life that can trigger you down certain pathways. In this case, you know, dad buying me those books, mm-hmm. if he hadn't done that, you know, who knows what I'd be doing now. Maybe I'd be a, I don't know, rocket scientist or a ditch digger. <laughs> <laughs> A rocket scientist or a dish digger. Well, there's a, there's uh, a range, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. This has been a really fun conversation, uh, Iggy. Um, you're uh, game for some rapid fire questions. Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, first question up. If you could have dinner or talk to someone one-on-one, uh, alive or dead, who would it be? Hmm. Interesting question. I think there's a number of people that would fit there. Um Stephen Hawking, I think, would be interesting. Uh, I mean, that's probably a pretty common choice for scientists, but I think he's got a fascinating in- insights into a lot of what makes the universe the way it is. Um, so it'd be interesting to talk to him. What piece of media, maybe a book, movie, or maybe even video game, uh, has had the most influence on you? I think I'll have to go with Catch-22, which was the source of my given name, Yosarian. In the book, Yosarian's first name is actually John, so he's got a very dull first name and a very unusual last name. I believe he's Armenian, but he's a he's a bit of an anti-war anti-hero. Um, the book is very funny, but it's often at his expense. And um, I think I read the book quite early, just having been named after after the character. I felt like I needed to, so it was one of the first sort of fairly adult books I read. And I think it it just gave me a an idea that you don't have to do what people tell you to do. You can sort of push back on things. You can establish your own identity. Um, it's kind of ironic. I think I'm still, I still have some mm. skepticism about authority, even though I'm like an authority at Blackbird now. I'm, I'm one of the leaders of the company, but I still sort of look at management with a little bit of suspicion. So I think sometimes <laughs> that's a healthy thing. Yeah. If you had some advice for future science fair participants, uh, what would you say? Uh, yeah, just find something interesting and go for it. I mean, I think there's, there's so much information available online that any passion or interest you have, you can learn more about it. Um, so, you know, use your Google foo, read up on things, you know, look for interesting problems, try stuff out, uh, build things, learn to program a computer if that's something you're interested in. Um, and, uh, you know, try and find like-minded people that, that will, you know, you can bounce ideas back and forth off other people and, and come up with, you know, really creative solutions and interesting innovations that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. 
Awesome. Great advice. Oh, well, Yosaria uh, Nyigi King, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Let's Innovate. Thanks, Michael. It was a lot of fun. So go check out Blackbird Interactive, all the fun games they have coming out. May 2022 is Sweatin' for Science season. So get out there and exercise to help raise money for future science fair participants. Learn more about that as well as the upcoming Youth Innovation Showcase, which starts this summer on our website, sciencefairs.ca. Follow us on social media at Youth Innovation Showcase. Let us know how you're liking this season of Let's Innovate. Uh, or write me a note on there at Michael John Unger. Instagram and Twitter. Okay, folks, that's it for this episode. Until next time, let's innovate.